0: Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Hirobila, Min was Salah to Salam, while al should feel in Bea, I will Mursalin. While early he was heavy, he had my name and my bad. For Rahman Ibrahim. What either Salah Kariba, the Anni, for any Kadib, Ujibu dawat at the Either the Anni, for Lister Gibudi, will you mean no be, Lahum Yashadun, so the My dear respected and most honorable elders beloved brothers and sisters in Islam assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. first of all we begin by thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by glorifying and praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for enabling us with this u- unique opportunity to congregate in his house to worship him to glorify him to send salutations upon his messenger sallallahu alaihi wa sallama. and we pray that Allah azza wa jalla will continue to facilitate such opportunities for us in the future. Last week, I touched on some of the aspects of the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the importance of the Sunnah in our rich uh, cultural tradition. In our religion, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has clearly informed us that the Sunnah is of paramount importance, you know, the Quran and Sunnah are uh, both synonymous with one another, one is incomplete without the other, in terms of if you make a statement that I will only follow the Quran without uh, uh, seeing or viewing or understanding the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, then it's going to be incomplete, you, you need understand how the Prophet Sallallahu reached his conclusions. How the Prophet ﷺ understood the Qur'an, interpreted the Qur'an and then acted upon it. On the other hand, if you decided to say, well, I'm not going to follow the Qur'an at all. I'm just going to stick to the, the sunnah of the Messenger Sallallahu because we want to know, uh, we want to have a practical example. And we've got the practical example in the Prophet. We don't need a book to be telling us what we should be doing. We've got a practical example there. That's also a fallacy both of them are incomplete with one another both of them go hand in hand and it's imperative that we understand the importance of the sunnah of the prophet especially during a time when um when more and more of us are are, are neglecting the sunnah of the prophet more and more of us are falling further and further away from it the prophet told us that there is going to come a time when clinging onto or holding on to, acting upon one sunnah of mine is going to be as difficult as holding a, a lump of, of hot burning coal in your hands. That's how difficult it's going to be. And that's not something that we've experienced, and we can only imagine what the Prophet ﷺ means when he said, That's how difficult it's going to be. And we're coming towards that time now. We're living in some of that. In fact, I believe that we're living in that time now. When following a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ has becoming has become somewhat out of fashion, or or, or that's backwards, uh, that doesn't make any sense. Whereas uh, uh, we mentioned last week that even if you look at you know the smallest of the Prophet's sunnahs, something as 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 we might deem to be as as medial as uh, the dietary commandments or the dietary rules of the Prophet وسلم, how he what food he ate, what he drank, what he put inside his body, how he nourished his body. And we'll see something. We'll view that the Prophet even today, no one can prove that he ever ate a morsel of food and that was somehow unhealthy for him. Every morsel of food that he ate would today, 1400 years later, be proven to be uh, healthy or part of a healthy diet. Now, today I want to focus a little bit more on on the Prophet Not only in terms of of following him, but in order for us to follow him, we have to understand one thing that the Prophet needs to be at the top of our lists. You know, when when we make a statement to say, oh, well, don't put that individual on a pedestal, don't put that individual on a pedestal. When it comes to the Prophet, he deserves the highest pedestal. And we have to understand that. And in order for us to follow him, we must love him unequivocally and in order for us to, to love him, we have to understand him, we have to learn about his life. You can't love somebody and not know anything about them. That just doesn't make any sense. Oh, well, I love that person. I don't know who he is. I don't know anything about his life, but I, I know that I love him. That's impossible. So in order for us to love the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, which is integral to following him, then we must understand him, we must appreciate him. And, and no one loved him more and appreciated him Appreciated him more, understood him better than his own companions, Ridwanullahi Alayhim Ajmeen. And you can ask the likes of Sayyidina Bilal. Sayyidina Bilal was who? He was a companion of the Prophet wasallam. who prior to, to becoming a Muslim was uh, considered to be among the lowest of the low. He was down at the lower ech- 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 echelons of, of, of society. Nobody paid him, uh, uh, nobody gave him a second look. He was considered a mere slave, a commodity that is to be bought and sold. By becoming a Muslim, Islam gave him such a status, and such a status in the eyes of the Prophet ﷺ, that he became the Mu'addin of, 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 of Islam. The muaddin of the Prophet ﷺ had the honor of giving the first adhan of the Prophet ﷺ. So, and he continued to go from, uh, uh, from success to success, throughout the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And as an Imam, I can say that the closest relationship anyone has, as uh, the Imam would have with a member of his congregation, is naturally going to be with the one who is regularly performing the Adhan. Because there has to be a level of understanding there between the Imam and the Mu'azzin. So you can imagine the, the close nature of that relationship between Sayyidina Bilal and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now, once the Prophet ﷺ had passed away, Sayyidina Bilal was, was shocked. He was, uh, he was sad. He became somewhat depressed. Because everything, that, everything in Medina, everything that was so beloved to him about Medina had just gone. It was just evaporated. Everything now he looked at, it just reminded him of his beloved. He looked at the walls, he looked at the streets. So these are the streets in which the Prophet ﷺ would walk. You know, this is the masjid in which the Prophet ﷺ would perform the prayer. And he would lead, and I would stand behind him. And his heart was unable to bear that detachment from the Prophet ﷺ any longer. And not much is known about Sayyidina Bilal. But however, some of the historians have recorded what happened to him, what transpired after the Prophet ﷺ passed away. So he decides that he's going to pack up and leave. Now normally when we love somebody, we're drawn towards them, right? Wherever they live, wherever they are, we're drawn towards them. But Sayyidina Bilal, uh, he he felt that if he remained in Medina, he wouldn't be able to survive. And in fact, some of the historians report that if Bilal had remained in Medina, he would have died from, from grief, from hazard. He wouldn't have been able to survive. That's how aggrieved he felt at this detachment with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi And this is, this is somewhat understandable, like Busiri. He reports in, in, when, in his famous Burda, the poem, uh, commemorating the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi praising the Prophet Ali in, Alaihi in, in those 10 chapters. The first chapter is, his, is signifying his love for the Prophet Sallallahu And he talks about, he doesn't talk directly about the Prophet. He talks about his own nature, his own state at falling in love with the Prophet Sallallahu What's happened to him? It's because of the remembrance of the neighbors of Zu Salam that the tears mixed with blood are flowing from my eyes. Or is it because of the breeze flowing from Kazima? Or is it the lightning struck in the darkness of the night of Idham? These places that he's mentioning, Dhul Salam, the breeze flowing from Kadima, the, the night of Idham, Dhul Salam was, was it in fact a place in which the Prophet ﷺ would stop on his way from Medina to Makkah or Makkah to Medina and he would take a rest there. These places that he's mentioning are places that the Prophet were were significant in the life of the Prophet And what he's showing here is that his attachment to the Prophet means that he's become attached now to everything that was attached to the Prophet So everything that the Prophet loved, he began to love. And this is what true love is. If we want to love the Prophet and follow him, then we have to love what he loved. We have to follow what he followed. We can't claim to love him and yet have absolutely no desire to attach or affiliate ourselves with something that the Prophet ﷺ was close to or he affiliated with or he was attached to. So these, these places, they became, uh, uh, they became beloved to him. And, and, and the Arabs, naturally, 1400 years ago and today it still exists, were people of, of honor and they hid their love. You know, it wasn't, it's not. Abu Sirim and the, the, in fact, the, the commentators of the Burda, they, Ibn Ajiba and many others, the Moroccan Ibn Ajiba and, uh, and others, and there's been hundreds of commentaries written on the, the Burda, they all state that uh, it, it, traditionally, the Arabs were people of honor who, who instead of proclaiming, professing their love openly, they used to hide it. They would keep it within themselves. You know, they were, they were sort of, um, uh, you know, secret romantics, somewhat, and 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 you see that language prevalent in, 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 in the burda of, of of Busiri, and it's much like Sayyidina Bilal He wouldn't. He he was he was unable to profess his love. He was unable to to now when he at night he was reminded of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam. He would get up in the morning. He would get up to perform his adhan, and he would see the Prophet sallallahu wasallam for prayer. Now he was unable to do that. So there was no outlet for, for that attachment, for that love he had for the Prophet ﷺ. That's why he couldn't bear to remain there. Every path, every walkway, everything reminded him of his beloved and he was unable to bear that. So by talking about these things, Busiri, what he does is he kind of attaches himself to the Prophet by falling in love with those things that the Prophet ﷺ was in love with. and. Uh, Ibn Ajiba, who is a a Moroccan scholar from the from the family of the Prophet on his commentary of the Buddha, titled Al-Umda fi Shahil Burda, the commentary of of uh, uh, the the qasida, he talks about two individuals, and he gives the example for us to understand what this love was like, and he gives us a relevant example, uh, a sort of um, a contemporary one, and he talks about Layla and Majnun. And we've heard of the stories, you know. There's always these, these, these stories of Romeo and Juliet. and If it's in uh, the Indian subcontinent, Heer, Ranja, you know. Uh, in, in, in the Arabic world, the Arab world, it was Layla and Majnu. Majnu is short for Majnun, which means madman, the one who's gone insane in love, you know, lost in love. Uh, he was actually uh, the Mu'arrikhin, the, the historian's report from among the Tabi'een. And his, his name was Qais, and this man, Qais, he had fallen in love with this, with this woman, Layla. And he knew nothing of this Layla except that he was in love with her. Madly in love with her. So madly that nothing could, could stop him from, uh, from loving her. Everything reminded him of, of Layla. And this is why they called him Majnoon. This is why they call him Majnoon because he was unable to, to, um, to function without either the mention of Layla or the thought of Layla or the reminders of Layla in his life. In the fact, Kharbuti in a he talks about how engrossed in the love of Layla that this, this man was. That one day he was he was in a desert. He's in a desert and he, he he's walking in the desert, just aimlessly walking in the desert, as supposedly one should do, aimlessly walk uh, in the middle of nowhere. And he see well, he doesn't see anything. He trips over some he, he trips over something, and uh, that individual was in fact an old man who was praying his his salah and he trips over him while he was in sajda, and the old man breaks his prayer and turns towards him and says look there's this entire desert only me here you happen to find me did you not see me and he said well I was thinking about Layla and I was engrossed in Layla and I was was unable to see you because how can you not see me i'm in the middle of the desert it's only me the only obstruction in this desert is me you happen to find me he said he turned to to the old man and he said look you know i was engrossed in in in, in leila and i didn't see you if you were so engrossed in your prayer how did you see me how did you notice that it was me so this is the kind of uh, infatuation that he had and it is infatuation which he believed to be love he would kiss the walls in his village you know, dogs, street dogs that he would see who would roam in the village of Layla, he would pick them up, he'd wash them, he'd kiss them. And people, his friends and his companions would say, Majlou, what's the case? What's wrong with you? You know, this is a street dog, and you're cleaning it, you're kissing it, it could be dirty, it could be filthy. He said, no, this is a special dog that roams in the, the village of, of Layla because everything that was attached to his beloved became beloved to him. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And And this is somewhat we find this magnified in the Sunnah of the Prophet and when we look at the lives of the companions. Because everything that was affiliated or attached with the Prophet became beloved to them. Like Bilal, those walls were beloved to him in Medina. Those places in Medina that the Prophet would frequent were beloved to him because the Prophet frequented them. And without the Prophet being there, You know, he was unable to to bear that. His heart, his soft heart was unable to bear that that suffering, therefore he he left. So he he goes to Sham and he settled there, he get he gets married there. And one day he wakes up and his wife he he wakes up crying and his wife asks him, Mayyubki, what's making you cry? And he he turned to his wife and he says, Rait or Rasulullah Bahihah. I saw the Prophet Sallallahu last night. I, I saw the Prophet Sallallahu in my dream. And, and he's crying and his, and his wife asked him, what did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say to you? And he said, the Prophet Sallallahu said, Ya Bilal, ma al jafa Ama ana laka Oh Bilal, what's this foolishness? Don't you, have, don't you harbor the desire to come and visit us? Don't you want to see us? And immediately Bilal, you know, gets his belongings together, and he said, "I'm setting off for Medina, and I'm going to visit the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam." I'm going to go to the Masjid. Uh, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam came into my dream and ordered me to do so, and he leaves straight away. And when he arrives in Medina, the historians report it was like the second coming of the Prophet sallallahu When the Prophet arrived in Medina, and the people were so happy, they were they were so joyous at the arrival of the Prophet. And you can imagine how saddened they must have been after the Prophet had passed away, that they were they needed something to, to uplift their spirits. And when Bilal came back, it's as if you know uh, you know light shone in Medina once again, that people came out of their houses to come and greet him, the little children came running towards him. Our uncle Bilal the Mu'addin, who would perform the prayer, and, and they 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 were clinging onto his his clothes uh, and he was embracing them. And when he, he, he enters, immediately, you know, the, the Amir mumineen Abu Bakr as siddiq radiyallahu And he goes up to him and says, Bilal, you're here now, it's time for prayer. It's time for prayer and do us the honor of, of saying the adhan once again. Remind us of the days of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Bilal turns to Abu Bakr and he says, look, ask me anything you want. I'll do it. I'm willing to do it. But don't ask me to say the adhan when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is no longer with us. I'm unable to do so. That's not something that I can do. And said, Abu Bakr being a man who doesn't you know, uh, dwell on it any further, a shy person himself, he, he, he leaves him and doesn't say anything. Other companions ask Bilal to do the same but Bilal is unable to do so he gives him the same response. But as he's walking towards the masjid, the, the Sayyidah Shababi Ahl Jannah, the two, two leaders of the youth of Jannah, Imam Hassan and Imam Hussain, the grandsons of the Prophet wasallam, who were seven and eight years old respectively at the time, they came to Bilal and said, oh, Uncle Bilal, Bilal, remind us of the days of our grandfather. Please perform the Adhan. And looking down at these two beautiful, light-filled faces and, and, and kissing them, he can smell the fragrance of the Prophet wasallam emanating from them. And he's unable to say no to them. How could he say no to those two individuals whom the Prophet ﷺ never said no to? So he decides that, you know, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. I'm going to go and I'm going to say the adhan. And it's reported that when he stood up to, to, to say the adhan and he said, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, the historians report, that Madina shook. It, it, it shook when he said, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. The people came out of their homes. You know, it, some of, the, some, of the, some of the women of, of, of Medina said, Abu Itha Rasulullah, Abu Rasulullah. Has the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam returned? Because for them, in their mindset, when Bilal said the adhan, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would come and lead the prayer. And that was their mentality at the time. And they all came out, they rushed towards the masjid. He said, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah. And when he got to, to Ashadu Anna Muhammad Rasulullah, what he was used to seeing is, when he would stand up and he would say, I bear witness that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. At that exact moment, the Prophet wasallam would come out of his, his hujra, his room, and he would make his way towards the musallah, the place of prayer. And he would see the face of the Prophet wasallam while he is testifying to the fact that the Prophet wasallam is the messenger of Allah. And today... He says, "Ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah," and he looks and he doesn't see the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He's unable to bear that his heart is. He's reminded once again that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is not among them, and it's reported that he fell down and he fainted, and he had to be uh, awoken. He had to be uh, revived by the companions and awoken from his from his slumber. But the 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 companions uh, them themselves state that. When he descended from the, the place of the Adhan, a narrator of, of, of that incident, a narrator of, from among the companions said that, uh, I've never seen, the, Medina has never seen a day more full of crying, more full of lamenting, after the day that the Prophet passed away, and then the day that Bilal came and he said, "Ashhadu Anna Muhammad Rasulullah," because all of the companions were reminded of their attachment and their love for the Prophet So this is this just gives you some kind of an indication of how attached to the Prophet they were, because their love wasn't their love wasn't just that you know that, uh, that type of love that people have nowadays. About something. It wasn't a, a, a love of a medial object. It wasn't something that was just. Um, insignificant in any way. Their love for the Prophet. وسلم, for them was their entire existence. It encapu- encapsulated them. It engrossed them. It was within them. And everything that was beloved to the Prophet. Was beloved to them. Everything that the Prophet. وسلم, would do, That was beloved to them. Everything that he would say. Became beloved for them. In fact. When the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would make a statement and he would say something that the Arabs weren't used to saying, you know, like we have a statement sometimes that we would say, um, a phrase, for example, the Prophet would say a phrase which hasn't been heard of by the the companions or is not common in the Arabic language, it was adopted by them. That phrase became beloved to them. Why? Because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would say this. Everything about it became beloved to them. And that's the only way, truly, that we can understand and learn from the life of the Prophet sallallahu if we instill that love within ourselves. Or, or, or some kind of, some of that love which resembles their love, at least if we can instill that within ourselves, we'll be successful. We can't claim to, to, to love him without following him. And we can't claim to follow him without having that same type of love inside us. Just like the Quran and Sunnah I mentioned at the beginning, they both go hand in hand, they're both synonymous with one, with one another. Say to them, O Prophet, if you really truly love Allah, فَاتَّبِعُونِي, then follow me. What's the thumbra? what's the fruit that you're going to get? What's going to happen if you, uh, if you follow me? يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمُ ذنوبكم. And if you, if you love Allah then if, and follow the Prophet, then Allah is going to love you and he's going to forgive for you your sins. And this is, this is the mentality that we must have. This is, and, and, and in no way, shape or form is this, this or excessiveness in any way. Because if we look at, there's no, there's no way that we can excessively love the Prophet Because if you look at, if I give you, if I inform you of the stories of the lives of the companions, and how much the companions loved the Prophet. They lived solely for him. They died protecting him. So many companions. They were willing to sacrifice their lives in place of a mere thorn pricking the feet of the Prophet. And there are so many companions who, who you can look at and, 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 and you can see their, their, uh, their attachment to the Prophet. There was a companion by the name of Zaid. And this. Uh, This noble companion, he was captured by the Quraysh uh, in in Mecca, and they strung him up. And this was during a time there was a lot of animosity between the the mushrikeen in Mecca and the Muslims in Medina. And after two or three battles had been fought, uh, that animosity only ever increased. And when they captured one of them, which was one of the Muslims, they saw this individual who didn't have much or, or, or family to protect him. They knew that if they, were, if, if they tortured him, if they killed him, there'd be nobody who'd ask them for blood money. So they strung him up in, in Mecca for everybody to see this is what's going to, to come of, of the Muslims or those individuals who seek to follow Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And as he's mercilessly being tortured and he's strung up, Abu Sufyan ibn Harb, he asked him, he said, oh Zaid, would you, would you not prefer that today Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam be in your place and you be enjoying your life with your family and your children and be free. And he smiles through the blood and through the tears and he said, I swear by Allah, I would rather give my life than to see or know that a thorn had pricked the foot of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I'd gladly give my life than to see the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam bear any kind of pain or suffering. This just gives you an indication of how attached to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam they were, how much they loved him. And this is this is what we refer to as that, that, that iman that the Prophet was talking about when he said La إليه, That none of you can truly believe have that iman until you love me i.e. you love the Prophet more than you love your father you love your son and all of mankind and this is exactly that, that love that the companions had. And in order for us, and that's why they were successful. That's why they, they, they're khairun nas, khairul qurun, the best of people and, and lived in the best of times. Because they, could, they truly acted upon what the Prophet Sallallahu said. They did what the Prophet Sallallahu would do. A man came to the Prophet Sallallahu and he asked about the, the Sa'a, about the last day. And when's the last day going to come? What can I do for it? And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi instead of answering or replying to his question, he said, ma What have you prepared? You're asking about the, the last hour, you're asking about the last day, but what have you prepared for the last day? And he said, Sallallahu Wasallam. He said, I, I've, I've prepared nothing, I have nothing. Except that I know that I love Allah and His Messenger. That's, some, that's one thing that I'm completely certain of. My conviction is in that I love the Prophet. I love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I don't have anything else that's going to you know, take me over the line the next day. And the Prophet wasalam, said to him, You will be with the one who you love. And Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala, and he says, and this is mentioned in Bukhari. He said, Fama وسلم, That we've never been so full of joy about hearing a statement than, than we were overjoyed at hearing the statement from the Prophet ﷺ, that you're going to be with the one you love. Because we knew, each of us, all of us, that we love the Prophet Sallallahu more than anything else. And we at that time were certain that if the Prophet Sallallahu is telling us that you're going to be with the one you love, then we knew that we were going to be with the Prophet Sallallahu So this is something that we need to understand. This is something that we need to, to, to instill within our own lives and the lives of our children. If we want our children to follow the Prophet Sallallahu to be good Muslims, that we must instill this love for the Prophet Sallallahu within them. Now, you, you see, children's minds are like sponges. You know, whatever you feed them, they're going to absorb it. They, they'll fall in love with the most menial of things. They're like, they're like, they're like, children will get attached to something that you know, s- seemingly is unattachable. They'll get attached to something small. At this moment, at this time, it's imperative that you teach them about the Prophet وسلم, talk to them about his life. Tell them, give them something to fall in love with. and I mentioned this last week. You know, naturally, children are intrinsically inclined to, uh, to fall in love with something that they're attached to, which is, which is meaningful to them. Right? If, if a child wants to become a footballer and he wants to play footballer, he wants to play football, his aspirations are not going to be to play for his local Sunday League team. He's not, if he wants to be a striker, he's not going to be a striker for them. He, he dreams of playing for the best teams. He's inspired by the best players. And that goes for any field. Nobody is inspired by mediocrity. And the Prophet ﷺ had the best of character. The Prophet ﷺ was the best of Allah's creation, is the best of Allah's creation. Therefore, it's imperative that we convey that message to them and teach them in a way that they would understand. Because it's only then they're going to grow up to be uh, followers of the Prophet ﷺ, representatives of the Prophet. ﷺ. Uh, we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me a new tafik and the ability to act upon the teachings of the Quran, the noble sunnah of the Prophet. ﷺ, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase each and every one of us in our love for the Prophet ﷺ and grant us the ability to love him, understand him, and then follow his noble example.